0: This is Blind Like Me.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Interviews, information, and reviews related to living with a vision
1: disability. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been visually impaired since birth. He's been in radio for 30 years and also hosts the podcast Inside Today's Country. Tim has never let his lack of vision stand in his way.
2: Well, welcome to another edition of Blind Like Me. My name is Tim Black. Thanks very much for listening to us wherever you find your podcasts. And today's guest we found on one of the new social media platforms... TikTok. Seems like everybody is moving over to TikTok nowadays. And by the way, you can find me there, too. I think I have four videos out. Our guest is all the way from Victoria, British Columbia. His name is David Johnson. Uh, he is an athlete. You're a runner. Is that correct, David?
0: Yeah, track and field. Yeah.
2: Track and field. What do you What do you run?
0: The 400. Ooh. So one lap of the track.
2: Good for you, man. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be lucky if I get around like a quarter of the track nowadays. It's the longest sprint. Oh, no doubt. How did you get into this?
0: Um, how I got into track and field was growing up, I played every sport like a normal kid, right? So I played hockey, I played football, I played baseball, soccer, everything. Mm-hmm. I just loved playing sports. I love like scoring goals or in like hockey, like even like body checking a kid and getting a penalty and the rough stuff and dangling some kid with my stick and then like sniping a a nice goal mm-hmm. um, but then as my vision kind of deteriorated as I got older it got harder for me to see the puck in hockey and I would lose sight of it or in soccer it was hard for me to keep an eye on the ball and not run in to the other players on the field right so then I had to start giving up all these sports that I was playing so mm-hmm. hockey was the first one to go Uh and then soccer then um i just pretty much sat at home and like played video games this is when i'm like 16 years old right my dad he didn't he didn't really like that too much because i wasn't really doing anything too too productive so he came to me and he was like why don't you why don't you try something like music or or rowing or something like that and Mm -hmm. i thought like yeah music's cool and i'm not really into it though and rowing I, i don't know i'm not the best swimmer so it's it's not for me but then he said why don't you try tracking and fields and i thought okay like why not so then i went to my first track practice and at first it wasn't really anything serious mm-hmm. it was just kind of like something i did like one or two days of the week just to, kind of for fun and then slowly it got more and more serious and then i started racing internationally um, and then winning some races. And then most recently, I competed at the 2019 Para Pan American Games in Lima, Peru.
2: How awesome is that?
0: So cool. Yeah, it was crazy.
2: Tell me, uh, tell me before we get into uh, going over to Peru. Uh, so, what age did you actually lose your vision then?
0: I was diagnosed at eight years old with retinitis pigmentosa. Okay. But pretty much the kind of like, I guess, hypothesis is I had it from birth, but at eight years old is when it was kind of, uh, discovered. Mm -hmm. Um, and then slowly since then it's been slowly deteriorating my, uh, for those that don't know, retinitis pigmentosa is kind of like tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. So, um, my tunnel essentially shrinks over time, which Mm -hmm. I've been seeing the last, uh, the last few years.
2: Wow. Now, what's that been like? I mean, uh, for me, I mean, I've been blind my, or visually impaired my entire life, so I'm kind of used to what I'm seeing. But what was that like for you? You know, you're seeing this actually change. Walk me through that a little bit.
0: Definitely hard. I think it really hard because when you're, when you're a kid, like a teenager especially, you don't want to seem any different from any other kid. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like right when I was in the midst of everything, like figuring out how to use a cane and, and how to be visually impaired. But I didn't, I didn't want that. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go through this. Like why, why do I have to do this? Like why me kind of thing. And that's what I was struggling with as a, as a kid. I just wanted to be like everyone else. So I, I got a job at the local grocery store and just tried to, to do what everyone else was doing so i would be stocking shelves and breaking things that i didn't see and and pushing the big cart with all the product on it into Mm. customers and things like that just because i didn't want to seem different right um and i think that was that's definitely the hardest part of uh losing your vision is giving up kind of the things i guess you you could do, but now you can't
2: really do anymore. That is, uh, you know, one of the truths that a lot of people have who who do lose their vision is you're used to a certain lifestyle, and now you've got to, you know, come on the other side of it. But on the other side of it, there are still a lot of things that you can do as somebody who has, you know, lost their vision. And let's talk about going to Peru and and running. Um, That must have been an amazing experience. Walk me through that.
0: Yeah, so... How the um, kind of 2019 year started is um I started running with a guide in about January 2019. Mm-hmm. So before that, I just ran solo, um, but then it got harder for me to see the lines on the track and stay in my lane, especially on corners. So I started working with a guide. His name's uh, Adam Paul Morris. So we hold a tether that mm-hmm. stretches out about 30 centimeters mm-hmm. and um on each side there's a loop so i put three fingers in a loop he puts three fingers in a loop and we have to run with our arms in perfect synchronization okay and it's really 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 hard i i definitely <laughs> underestimated how hard it was yeah i thought we were just gonna put our fingers in and start busting out these crazy times didn't work that way Mm -hmm. we had to we had to start training together um focus on like because before we were both individual athletes and now we have to come together as one like a team so that was definitely a hurdle for that 2019 season was to to work together not against each other and then learning how to run with our arms and in perfect sync mm-hmm. and slowly we're training six days a week and we start getting the hang of it and it gets pretty good
1: mm-hmm.
0: we're training hard we go to our uh, national championship that year in July in Montreal uh, we, we get the win there and we're kind of right on the bubble for the the Pan Am team so We were kind of humming and hawing if we were going to get to go. And then we squeaked on like the second last spot, I think, Mm -hmm. which was um, we were just happy to be on the team, right, Mm -hmm. to compete. So we got on and uh, we got all the cool Team Canada kind of gear. (laughs) We got to uh, get on the plane and take our god-awful flight all the way from Victoria to Peru, which took like. Way too long, but it was amazing. I think the the coolest experience of the Pan Am games or the Para-Pan Am games there was just all... um, I didn't think the the crowd would really show up for the the Para games, right? Mm -hmm. Just because I just didn't think they would be interested. Mm -hmm. But the bus is coming in. I'll never forget this. The bus is coming in to the stadium and there's thousands of kids outside jumping up and down, waving, trying to like give you like high fives and things like that. And then you walk in the stadium and it's sold out and you can't hear anything. Everyone's wow. just cheering so loud. These people don't even know you. They're from a totally different country and they're just cheering for you. And it's amazing.
2: That that has to be just a, not only like a wild experience for someone like yourself who has had, you know, uh, in the past played hockey and soccer, as you talked about, but now you're in the blind world and you're seeing amazing success with what you're doing that that has to make you feel good
0: yeah i think um for me i didn't really know that that this wasn't an an option for me growing up Uh, Mm. i think a lot of visually impaired people don't know that yeah you can go out and be a professional athlete and get paid i started getting paid at uh 17 18 years old to Start running, and that was like, whoa! Mm-hmm. I can really do this. I can make money from a sport mm-hmm. and um, compete at a high level, and and travel around the world for free, and train, and get all these amazing experiences. Which, growing up, I I never thought that was a thing because I was playing hockey, and every other kid is like, oh, I'm gonna go to the NHL. Mm-hmm. But in the back of my mind, I kind of knew that it was never a thing because I, I can't see how how am I gonna play against Sidney Crosby and <laughs> Connor McDavid and those guys, right? Like, right, yep. not gonna work. So then I found track and field, and that I could actually excel at a high level. Amazing.
2: When you started running uh, with the track and field, and you're working with your coach, as you say, you're training six days a week. Who are the people that you look up to to give you inspiration for what you're doing?
0: I would say my right now definitely my my guide. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one I I come to with problems off the track or on the track. I'm always looking up to him for different uh, different things because he had a pretty successful career as a 800 meter runner.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He's uh, about he's uh 28, 27. So he knows he's a bit older than me and's kind of been through a lot of the same problems that I'm coming through in training. So he has a lot of answers. Mm-hmm questions I have, which, which is great. Mm-hmm. Another one is just on like Instagram and things. Like I love seeing other people crush workouts and, uh, shout out to Cam Newton, the the quarterback, who's a free agent. I see him on Instagram working out and just like crushing stuff. And that just motivates me to work harder, be better just to see other people do things.
2: What's next for you in your running career?
0: We just, uh, got the kind of sad news of, the 2020 Olympic and Paralympic games are going to be postponed to 2021.
2: Yeah. That's, I mean, Uh, that's what our world is going through right now. Right.
0: Yeah. So we heard about that about two, two or three weeks ago now. Mm -hmm. So we had to uh, make a little, a little bit of an adjustment because now we don't have five months to the games. We have 18 months to the games kind of thing. So, we're switching up our training a little bit, which I think is a is a good thing for Adam and I because we get more more runs together and more more practice together and just to be better. Because I'm uh, one of the younger kind of athletes, mm-hmm. so I think that's a plus. But definitely, part of me was like, okay, like I put in countless hours of of work in in the fall and in the winter to be in the best shape for August. 2020 for these for these games and mm-hmm. then now it's it's not an option so definitely that was a little bit kind of kind of crushing I guess of trying training all those times and things like that but it, it is what it is now so
2: tell me what you do when you're not training
0: big thing right now is working on speeches mm-hmm. so um I've been going around to different events with the help of RBC telling my kind of story of what it's like to grow up with a, a visual impairment and maybe the way that I overcome adversity in certain things because I think even though I'm pretty young I think a lot of people can can learn things that I've been through so much at a young age
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and then also uh, Adam and I are trying to get our kind of brand off the off the ground we have a website called RunningBlind.co where we're selling shirts and hoodies and things like that and trying to do our own speeches at elementary and high schools and things like that.
2: Let's talk about uh, you know, those speeches when you go out. What's the message that you bring to them?
0: I think the biggest message would be that I've overcome something like being visually impaired mm-hmm. and I'm totally now okay with it. But it was not an easy road to get there. I had to to deal with um, some substance-related issues of addiction and stuff like that to to get through it. Mm-hmm. And also just um, maybe teaching that it's okay to, to ask for help from others. And I think the big thing that I try and preach is when there is no way to – for someone to act blind or look blind every blind person has their own look and acts a certain way and i think that's the biggest thing that i run into is people think that blind people have to act or look a certain way to be blind when that's not the case at all
2: that leads us into how we found you on TikTok. actually it was my wife that found you um and you were uh, telling a story about how you were in a bank uh, and somebody didn't understand what your white cane was about. And that's something that's close to your heart is talking about your white cane.
0: This uh, gentleman came up to me and he didn't understand what my, my cane was for. And I was uh, a little kind of confused. Cause I thought like me having my cane, you know, like how come you can't see me as someone with a, with a visual impairment. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So the old, the old me, Probably would have took my cane and, and whacked them, right? Because <laughs> saying all the all these things, like, come on. But I realize now that that's the wrong response yeah. when people are coming to me with the comments of of like, you don't look blind, or how do, how do you do all this with a visual impairment? They're not trying to to put me down or make me feel bad. Ninety nine percent of the time,
1: mm-hmm. they're
0: just they just can't understand how someone like me with a visual impairment can persevere through this and look a certain way and, and be confident and do all these, these great things. Mm-hmm. But for me to be able to use my white cane was probably, was pretty hard. Um, the way I got to be able to use it is um, at first is I would use it as a joke. Right. So I would, I would, I would be in the airport and I would kind of, pretend to be blind because people would always look at me and not understand that I'm I'm blind because I'm I'm young my mm-hmm. eyes focused I make eye contact when I'm talking to someone so right. I would walk around the airport with my cane waiting for my flight kind of thing and then I would just maybe like whack someone's suitcase mm-hmm. and they would just kind of be like oh what's going on mm-hmm. and then slowly that made it made me able to use it in a in a serious way Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how, but that that's just what worked for me. I would i would also like play hockey with my cane <laughs> in the airport if I'm, wait, if I'm waiting for my flight. So I would open up my suitcase and take out my sock and kind of like ball it up yeah. and then stick handle and then shoot. I would like ask someone to be goalie. I would be like, hey, can you come here? And I'd put two suitcases there and get them to stand there, and I would just shoot at them with my cane. And they were like, this is so cool. What's going on? They're like, you're the coolest blind person I ever met. And so um, that was one way for me to to be able to use it, I actually just uh, taped. I took uh, some hockey tape mm-hmm. and kind of made like a a cool pattern on on my cane. Okay, which is one thing um, I'm trying to encourage some of my other blind friends to do is just like customize your cane, like pimp your cane out. It's your <laughs> cane. Put your own touch on it. You know. <laughs> Make it your own. That's true. Thing. So be confident being blind with your cane.
2: Right. So you haven't yeah. done, you didn't go through any of the uh, regular uh, orientation and mobility then through the CNIB or anybody else like that.
0: I, I did a little bit when I was, uh, when I was really young, mm-hmm. like grade, grade five, like kind of 10 years old mm-hmm. age. But um, I never really took it seriously, I guess at that age or, or respected the kind of, orientation of it
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and i just i would just use it for the orientation and then just put it right in right in my bag because mm-hmm. like i didn't i didn't want anyone to to see me with that thing or
1: mm-hmm.
0: or stuff like that so um the big thing that i would do is at nighttime i would because um with retinitis pigmentosa you can't see at nighttime it's uh, right. it's pretty much pitch black so
1: yeah.
0: uh, i would have to walk to my apartment at nighttime and I can't see anything and I, w- I wasn't about to use my cane so I would uh, put on a big jacket some sweatpants put a toque and a hood on
1: yeah and
0: then just walk through um, kind of like downtown looking like a big big tough guy so no one would kind of mess with me right. so everyone would just automatically get out of my way if I'm walking somewhere because I can't see them <laughs> okay. and for me that was easier to do that than to use my cane. I'd rather like walk in to someone and just get beat up than use my cane and, and just explain to them that I'm
2: blind. So that's changed a little bit now then?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I've uh, I've just I guess fully accepted it and be became okay. Mm-hmm. And I think the big thing that helped was me doing these speeches because if I'm on, on stage talking to thousands of people about how i've overcome my disability and um on to bigger and better things now how can i go and do the exact opposite in my daily life
2: mm-hmm. what's well, one of the biggest challenges that you have you've have overcome yourself
0: being okay with being uncomfortable i would i when i was about 14 years old i was hanging around kind of the the wrong crowd and got into some uh, bad bad activities and started drinking a lot and probably got to a point where I was drinking almost every day or every second day and Mm -hmm. definitely use that as a, as a crutch. Mm -hmm. So for me to slowly get off that and become okay with, with being blind and just being uncomfortable Mm
2: -hmm.
0: was definitely the hardest thing.
2: You talked quickly um, that you're trying to get your other friends to uh, pimp out their canes and make them look cool. Um, yeah. What support do you have, uh, you know, in 2020 uh, as an athlete? What is your circle like with other blind people?
0: I I know a lot of uh, the most, most of the blind people I know are from track and field
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, from all over, all over the world, actually. And um I always say the the blind people in the Paralympic stream are always always amazing people because you have to be accepting and overcoming of your your disability to travel around the world and run at extremely fast speeds. Mm-hmm. Um, but my inner circle of of blind people is I probably only have like a two or three close blind friends. Mm-hmm. One one big thing that I was working on. The last couple months was starting a program with the CNIB, um, the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, because I've noticed that growing up, for me, that the CNIB has has lacked uh, certain mm-hmm. certain things and was never really did anything for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just went in there with with Adam one day after one of our presentations, and I said, "Hey, like I want to talk to someone. I have a I have a program idea I want to pitch." Mm-hmm and they're like oh, okay i i guess so and they found me someone so we sat down and i said like hey i want a program that is getting blind people to do something serious like you guys have your your seated dance and your arts and crafts program which which is great that's great but what about the kids that want to competitively dance or mm-hmm. competitively paint pictures and be the best painter in the world you don't you don't have that option, mm-hmm. so I said, let's let's do something like that. I don't care if it if it's cooking or painting or or sports. But naturally, I'm a sports guy, so I'm gonna push sports a bit. So we're in the works of getting a, a serious track and field program going in in Victoria, B.C. to get uh, kids and young adults into a pathway to to be successful. And I think part of that, a big thing that'll come from that is having close connections with, with other blind people. I found out was um, kind of designing that program was I was reaching out to blind people all across North America. I would set up a, a phone call with some people I know and I reached out on social media to get a bigger audience and I was talking with people that I've never even talked before. But uh-huh. just for me to talk with 20 different blind people uh-huh. was like, whoa. I would find myself on the phone for like two hours explaining stories of like, yeah, my friends left me in the nightclub too. Like I couldn't see anything crazy experience. What? How did that happen to you as well? And just like all these things, like I was on the phone walking and I was like, oh, I almost got hit by a car. And they're like, oh, no, me too. It was like five minutes ago. And it's just all the similar things. It it was crazy.
2: That's awesome that that you're doing that because the one thing I've learned is blind people like to talk.
0: Yeah, they do. (laughs) It's almost therapeutic in a way just to just to talk to other blind people just to get that off off all that stuff off your chest because when you're talking to a kind of a sighted person they don't fully understand what it what you're totally going through
2: Nope. let's talk a little bit about your your friends. Uh, I love the story of uh, the person telling they, they they left you in a nightclub. That's happened to me yeah. many many times. That I've all of a sudden just <laughs> I'm standing high uh, as I've gotten older. My my is is as strong as it used to be. Uh, so my wife guides me a lot more than 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 she used to. I used to be able to ride a bike uh, very very confidently with the vision that I had. Nobody ever knew how I did it. So I see where you're coming from, and I, I totally get your story, and I think. It's it's awesome that you're you're doing what you're doing. Let's talk a little bit about your uh, your friends. How are how they've accepted what who you are and what you are?
0: Yeah, pretty pretty good. Um, definitely, growing up, I had I would say a lot more more friends, but I wasn't as close to a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And um, over the, over the years, just kind of turned into now. I have um, a couple of close friends who I truly trust and Mm -hmm. who I really like to spend time with. And I think that's the way for me anyway, that it, that it should be. I don't really want to be hanging around people that I don't fully like, or I'm not Mm going to pretend to like you to hang out with you and things like that. But a lot of my friends, they're pretty much all of them. Yeah. Fully, fully accepting. And if I, if I need help, uh, Mm -hmm. they'll help me. Um, I think a big thing that, um, shows when someone's comfortable with my visual impairments is, is when they're making jokes right when they're mm-hmm. when they're chirping me a little bit <laughs> they call me uh i'll get this term going on your podcast when they call me a blinky.
2: oh yeah i've heard that a- before yeah 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 you yeah. heard that yeah, oh yeah exactly. mm-hmm. sure <laughs> i like that one i yep. like that
0: one and um yeah so that's um, one uh one thing that shows that i know uh they're accepting of it and and they kind of get it i i think when one big thing that I realized is, um, some, some girls, I won't, uh, I'll tell them that I'm blind Mm -hmm. and they'll be like, yeah, like you don't got a car. You don't can't drive. Like, I'm not really, (laughs) not really feeling that. And then I'm like, okay, well, like, I don't want to be with you. If if you're like that, you know what I'm saying? Like I want to spend my time with people who are accepting of it. Like I don't, I don't care how, how beautiful or how amazing you or how amazing you look if you're just gonna be shallow like that
2: comes to be the personality right yeah it's got to be the personality they gotta accept you for who who you are and, and what you are and what you do right yeah, yeah for sure excellent now we are talking to you um via zoom at your parents house now we, uh, we were talking before we started this uh that you have your own apartment mm-hmm. yeah and how's that work out for you um you know for the cooking and uh, all that other fun stuff that we all have to do every day
0: <laughs> yeah it's uh it's pretty good um i'm i'm pretty stubborn okay. so i like to just figure out stuff uh as i go mm-hmm. which isn't always the best thing but i think it's the best way to learn is just by figuring stuff out out yourself so
2: i'm coming to david's house for dinner what's he making me
0: <laughs> i'm making you pasta um some cut-up vegetables, uh, some chicken. I eat chicken pretty much every night because I love chicken. Okay. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, this special sauce that I got in Grenada when I was there for a training camp. Drizzle it on top. It's, It's really good.
2: All right, that's that. You got a deal, man. The next time I'm in Victoria, I'm coming. For, I'm coming for supper. All right, I'll bring yeah, I, dessert. I got you. I got you. I'll bring dessert for you. What would you tell the um, sighted community if you had an opportunity to tell the sighted community one thing? What would you tell them?
0: I would say that there's no look for a blind person. If I'm walking around without my cane, I pretty much guarantee that ninety nine percent of you won't be able to tell that I have a visual impairment when I'm walking with my cane maybe a lot more you can tell I have a visual impairment but I'm still the same person and to carry on to that that no blind people act a a certain way Mm -hmm. blind people have are just like normal people we have our personalities some of us are are shy some of us are are loud and outgoing kind of like myself and use their cane in the airport to play
2: hockey. <laughs> Don't put us all under the same umbrella. Yeah. David, thanks very much for hanging out with us on uh blind like me. We really appreciate uh, the time that you spent with us. Uh, I love your attitude, dude. I love, uh, you know the fact that uh, you're you're running, and uh, you know next year the Olympics will be there, and I look forward to hearing uh, some some big uh, things from you uh, when you're doing the track and field. I, I I wish you all the best.
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you so much, and to everyone else, if you have questions for me or or anything, you can follow me on Instagram or uh, TikTok at Blind Hipster Dave, and uh, also the website is runningblind.co. Co. So if you guys want to check some stuff out or Hit me out, feel, feel free. And thank you so much for having me on. It was, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to Blind Like Me. If you have a comment or suggestion about future casts, drop us an email to blindlikeme at outlook.com. Blind Like Me is a Tim Black on air.com
1: production.